Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. Earlier this year, we recorded two episodes on the topic of pro-life. The first was an interview with Drs. Anne-Marie Manning and Naomi Whitaker, two pro-life OBGYNs on the topic of contraception and abortion. The second featured Father Stephen Kelly on women who are post-abortive and the resources for healing available to them. Today, we're going to round out this topic. You've undoubtedly heard about the potential for the landmark Roe v. Wade ruling to be overturned by the Supreme Court through their ruling on the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization case. It's fired up a lot of passion, a lot of fear, and fueled an ongoing debate about whether or to what extent abortion should be legal, who should decide the legality of abortion, and what the role of moral and religious views in the political sphere should be. The original case was brought by Norma McCorvey, known by the legal pseudonym Jane Rowe, who in 1969 became pregnant with her third child. McCorvey wanted an abortion, but lived in Texas, where abortion was illegal except when necessary to save the mother's life. Her attorneys filed a lawsuit on her behalf in U.S. federal court against her local district attorney, Henry Wade, alleging that Texas's abortion laws were unconstitutional. A three-judge panel of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Texas ruled in her favor and declared the relevant Texas abortion statutes unconstitutional. This was appealed to the Supreme Court of the United States, and on January 22, 1973, the Supreme Court issued a 7-2 decision holding that the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution protects a pregnant woman's decision to have an abortion. Since then, Over 63 million abortions have been performed. As Catholics, we believe human life must be protected from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death. Every human being has the right to life, the right to a whole life, not just the right to be born, but the right to survive and thrive in society all the way until natural death, even though That's not how it's played out in the media. But are we really ready for a post-Roe world? Possibly, but that doesn't mean we don't still have work to do. It's a starting line, not a finish line. To help shed some light on the political man behind the curtain and what pro-life policies are currently in the works in Harrisburg, I've invited Eric Failing the executive director of Pennsylvania Catholic Conference, to shed some light on this potentially monumental decision and what it means for us. Eric, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited to have you here. Oh, thank you for the invitation. 
Would you mind um, telling me a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. My name is Eric Phelan. I'm the executive director for the Pennsylvania Catholic Conference. I've been uh, in government and politics for about 25 years now. And I always tell people I've been praying to the Lord uh, to be released from the industry for about 23 of those 25 years. But uh, no, it's, it's, it's a blessing. I, I live in, uh, in York County, uh, have uh, married with one son who um, is doing very well. He's, he's working in Delaware, living in Philadelphia uh, for a major financial institution. And I always tell him just, I, I would just like a little cottage on the estate, you know, later on. <laughs> That's my retirement plan. So. I love it. That sounds like an excellent retirement plan. Yeah, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about what is the Pennsylvania Catholic Conference and how do they serve the church and the state simultaneously? Sure. It's, it's a good question. So the Pennsylvania Catholic Conference is the official uh, uh, PR agency of, of the Catholic Church in Pennsylvania. So not only do are, are we involved in educating the, the general public as well as uh, our Catholic brothers and sisters about issues um, of interest to them in, in government, uh, but we also lobby uh, the state government and the executive branch about issues of importance to the church. So uh, we work with all the bishops uh, in the Commonwealth, uh, Latin Rite and, uh, and Eastern Rite, and we take our direction from them. So we let them know, uh, if they don't already, issues that um, would be of importance uh, to the Catholic Church, and they decide whether or not we want to take a position on them and uh, try to work with lawmakers to, um, to see that the right thing happens. Very cool. So I work in radio, obviously. I am not super familiar with politics. You know, much of my education came from either School of House Rock or from Binging House of Cards. So could you talk to me about what actually goes into developing and proposing pro-life policies? So just for, for the listeners out there, I wanted to sing, I'm just a bill sitting on Capitol Hill. That was in but, my head but, while I was yes, writing but, this. Uh, I, I've been asked not to. Um <laughs> What goes into wow? What goes into developing and proposing policies? So, how's the sausage made? I, I can answer it from from two different perspectives. Uh, let me let me start off by um, uh, the Pennsylvania Catholic Conference's perspective. Like I said, we we monitor every piece of legislation that comes out. Four to six thousand bills um, every session. Uh, it, our state session in Pennsylvania spans two calendar years. The current session is going to end at the end of this calendar year. Of those four to six thousand bills, traditionally you have about an eight to ten percent passage rate in, in Pennsylvania. Um, so a lot of bills, most bills, don't go anywhere. It's a very long uh, and tedious process for something to become law in, in Pennsylvania. So we we take a look at all the issues that are introduced. We uh, bring it before our departments and in uh, the bishops, education department, social concerns department. And, and the bishops ultimately decide what we're going to take positions on or not. From a state perspective, it's it's a lot more complicated. <laughs> um, sometimes we will reach out to legislators, and we've, we've done it this session, with an idea for a new law. We help them to draft that legislation. We help to um, uh, try to encourage other letters, legislators to support it when it's introduced. Uh, we then try to educate um, all the staffers and the legislators uh, and members of the executive branch, why it's important. Um, and then we try to help usher it through the, uh, the political process. Very interesting. It sounds like there's a whole bunch of steps that need to happen for the next step to happen. There is. It's, it, there, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, and there's, there's a lot of very, very good ideas in, uh, in Harrisburg that just they never get through. 
There's hmm. just so much information. There's so many bills. There's so many different interest groups up there the, that you can easily get lost in the shuffle. Um, you know, I'm happy to say this this legislative session, we've had seven bills uh, signed into law that, that we supported, uh, ranging really in topics from uh, uh, anti-suicide bills, anti-human trafficking bills, some healthcare bills dealing with uh, Alzheimer's, best practices for Alzheimer's, best practices uh, for how to take care of opioid addicted children. Um, we're working on um, numerous pro-life issues right now. Uh, unfortunately, we have a governor that has pledged to, to veto any pro-life measure that, that crosses his desk, and, and he, is, uh, he has honored that pledge. We've had numerous bills uh, vetoed by this governor, but we, we, we keep at it. You know, as the bishops always tell me, um, don't just focus on the legislation, focus on the people that you're working with on the Hill. We have 253 souls, 253 legislators up there, plus all the staff, and we're in the business of saving souls. So find common ground with everybody and try to find ways to work with them. Once you find a way to do that, it's much easier to, to get them to understand why you're Catholic and, and why that's important. And uh, it helps to change minds and hearts. That's a really great way of looking at it. I, I really appreciate that perspective. So you mentioned pro-life. Mm -hmm. And typically when people think of pro-life, they think solely about the unborn and that's it. Right. From a legislative standpoint, what does the term pro-life actually mean? And how is PA Catholic Conference working to address the whole issue? You know, it's such an excellent question. And, and pro-life, the other side of the issue often says that pro-lifers are really just pro-birth and that's it. Yes, um, we hear that and, a lot. And, and that is absolutely not the case. We work on, and I'll give you an example, we're working on a piece of legislation right now uh, that Senator Michelle Brooks has sponsored. Um, it's gotten out of committee. It's gone through the first two considerations in the Senate, two of three. And here's what it does. It would require healthcare professionals to uh, prescribe pasteurized donor human milk to medically fragile children. So think uh, preemies when mm -hmm. they're born. Um, perhaps the mother's milk hasn't come in. Um, we know that there's a disease they can contract, um, a condition, gastrointestinal, uh, that has a shockingly high mortality rate. But when given pasteurized donor human milk, it really cuts that mortality rate down. It's also very important for, for drug addicted uh, babies when they're born. Obviously, the mother can't can't uh, nurse in, in a lot of those situations. So pasteurized donor human milk is something that really helps those those babies to get through just the tor terrible ordeal of having to become, uh, you know, the weaned off the uh, the drugs. So, I mean, that's just one example. But pro-life is, is conception to natural death. Uh, I mentioned the uh, the anti-suicide um, bill. Uh, this was a bill that would increase penalties for, for people who would encourage a minor or someone with an intellectual disability to commit suicide. We had a terrible case in York County where a young woman, uh, I suspect she was depressed, but she, she found this group online somehow and they were encouraging her to commit suicide. They, um, they told her how to mix the poison to do it. And when she had second thoughts, they, they doubled down and pushed for her to do it. And uh, she ended up killing herself down the hallway from her parents and her parents had no idea any of this was even happening. And that's, that's tragic. We, we work in all aspects uh, of, of pro-life and, and, and the dignity of the person. So it's, it's not just pro-birth. That's really sad to hear, but I, I'm excited to learn that there are measures that you are working on to make sure that something like that doesn't happen again. The bishops are absolutely committed to, to, to trying to help everybody in need, Catholic, not Catholic, it doesn't matter. We're on a mission to, to, to let people know what Catholic really means. 
um, and to encourage others to adopt that same uh, belief and lifestyle. So we talked about the unborn. Mm -hmm. That's a very hot topic currently. In the event that Roe v. Wade is overturned, I've I've heard on countless occasions from both sides that the fear is a post-Roe world would return to pre-Roe norms, Mm -hmm. where women were coerced into adoption because no one was willing to support them as mothers, much like now where maybe they're coerced into abortion for the same reason. And when you dig into it, I, I think people's biggest fear is that there won't be enough care to go around, making it feel like any care for the child comes at the expense of the mother since we don't trust each other or our policymakers to really respond justly to the mother's needs. Is PA Catholic Conference working to advocate for the expansion of care and support in preparation for a potential post-Roe world? And if so, how? Absolutely. And we've been working on this really from the beginning. Um, but this is an issue that's certainly big in the news right now. You know, I, I see uh, pregnancy centers being firebombed and it's, it's, it's tragic. I see churches being vandalized and, and, and people threatened. It's just, it's, it's horrible. But I think you're right. I think a lot of that is born from people's fear. And I think it is misplaced. And God willing, Roe versus Wade will be overturned. I mean, that's what we've, we've all been praying for and working towards and will continue to. But, you know, the bishops have been have been very uh, upfront about what our reaction should be as Catholics. It should be to, to reach out to those individuals that are that are angry and they're angry because they're afraid and they're scared and they don't know what it means. And, and to meet them where they are and to to offer them love and compassion and reassurances that, no, it, we're not going to abandon anybody after they give birth. No, we're, we're not going to abandon anybody while they're pregnant. We, we want to walk with moms and, and, and families all the way through, not just for a year, not just for two years, for life. And that's, that's what we do. That's, that's what being Catholic means. Our Catholic Charities has numerous programs all around the state, all the different Catholic uh, charities to, to, to help young families. Uh, and moms in need, our crisis pregnancy centers, real alternatives, and, and and others like them. We work with them all the time, uh, on especially on on state legislative levels, to make sure that they have appropriate funding to take care of these young families, uh, to support these young families. And again, not just after birth. It's not about hey, here's a pack of diapers. Good luck. No, we we walk with them. We want to make sure that these families are they have the education they need. We want to make sure that uh, poverty uh, issues, if, if, if that's something impacting people, that those are addressed, uh, that people are safe, um, that people um, don't have to worry about where they're going to get their next meal. I mean, those are all things that we're working towards and, and will continue to work towards. You know, the state has a lot of programs out to, to help young families and to help um, expecting mothers. And uh, we're working to expand all of those. We're, we're taking a good hard look to find out what's needed. Are, are there are there any gaps? Are there any 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 problems that that we're not aware of? We set out uh, at, again, always at the behest of the bishops, on a nine month um, advocacy platform. We have a, our own radio show every week, and uh, we do a couple podcasts a week plus a lot of social media, and it's all been focused on early family issues and pregnancy issues. So why is maternal mortality rates in the U.S. so shockingly high? Why does it impact people of color? more than 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 other mothers it's that's just completely it's wrong <laughs> there's no reason for it we need we need to address this 
why is postpartum uh, depression coverage? Why was it so short? You know, it was only covered for a couple of months when sometimes those symptoms don't show up for a year. And, and the state has taken steps to address that. And we applaud the state. We thank the state for that. But like I say, it's, it's trying to, to get people's attention on these issues. And I've learned new things as well. I, 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 Al in our office, who, who runs our communications, was, was interviewing uh, um, doulas, which I never, I never knew such a thing existed. Um, but, but these are individuals who walk with mothers through the entire process of being pregnant through birth and afterwards um, to, to be uh, there to support them. Not replacing the father, but uh, helping the father as well to know, you know, what pressure points to apply if the woman is in labor and, and helping her through uh, any fear she may have, you know, et cetera. So there's, there's, there's a lot of support out there and people just don't understand it and don't realize it. And we're simultaneously trying to spread the word about those resources that are available while at the same time looking to find if we can expand uh, the resources that are available and to find out if any new ones are needed. That's that's a really good point. And I've talked at nauseum about my three boys, and yeah. they're very close in age. Yeah. But from the time that I had my first son to the time that I had my third son, you could see the changes sure. in the policy. I suffered really badly with postpartum depression from my first son. By the time my third son came around, the pediatricians were asking, like, are you having these symptoms? Whereas before, it was just like, it's baby blues. It'll pass. You know, it's nothing to be concerned about. Um, so I I personally have seen some of these changes and I agree. I think most of this, most of the struggle is is getting the word out. I feel like you hear more about other options than you do about life affirming options, right. that there's more ad dollars behind one option than there is behind the other. So I applaud your office's efforts on finding where there are holes and getting the word out there. You know, and, and we work with really good state reps and, and state senators on these issues. You know, and, and I challenge all the listeners, when you, when you hear pro-choice legislators railing against, uh, you know, pro-life and, and abortion and all that, I, I, I would invite you, if, if they happen to be your legislators, call them and find a common ground with them. And, and I'll tell you what I suspect you're going to be able to find. When the baby is born, they want to make sure that the baby is taken care of and the family is taken care of. Find common ground with them. Encourage them to expand the programs that young families need to find out what's missing, where there are gaps, and, and to help them to try to address those. They may not agree that abortion should be illegal, but I've never talked to one who doesn't agree that when there's a child and a family struggling, that, that that we should do everything we can to try to help them. You mentioned with the last question mm -hmm. that women of color seem to struggle a little bit more with this. Mm -hmm. And the pro-life and racial justice movements are often seen as mutually exclusive, where mm -hmm. pro-life is considered conservative, mm -hmm. while racial justice is liberal or progressive. Mm -hmm. What's the danger in looking at these issues or other polarizing topics like the death penalty or gun violence purely through the lens of politics? Uh, yeah, I'm so happy you asked me this, this question. And I'm often asked this question in a variety of different formats, but, 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 I, but I'll tell you how I always answer it. Sadly, I think, I think most of us would agree that politics in America has become a bit of a sporting event. 
Yes. Um, I will always root for the Pittsburgh Steelers because we all know that they're the best football team out there. Um, sorry to all the Eagles fans. Actually, not. I'm not sorry. <laughs> no. Um, but you know, it, but it's that mentality, right? I will always root for the Steelers no matter what. People will always root for the Eagles no matter what. I will always support Republicans no matter what. I will always support a Democrat no matter what. And people say, well, what party are you? And I always tell them, I'm neither. I'm not an R. I'm not a D. I'm a C. I'm a Catholic. And, and that, that is the danger of, of polarizing issues that really should not be political. All the issues that, that we're addressing, that we're advocating on, is all about helping people. Helping people to be treated with love, dignity, and respect, just like Jesus told us to do, right? To love one another. They shouldn't be Republican topics. They shouldn't be Democrat topics. They should be Catholic topics, Christian topics. I, I, I challenge everybody, and I challenge myself all the time, to, to stop thinking about these topics as conservative or liberal or progressive or radical or just Christian. What is the Christian response? And you know what? Sometimes a Christian response is hard. Jesus never said it was going to be easy, right? Some of these topics are, are hard, but you still have to be Christian in the end. You still have to be Catholic in the end. You still have to love one another in the end. And that's what we've been told to do. And if we don't, then how can we expect to be treated properly either? I mean, just say the Our Father. <laughs> how are you going to be forgiven if you don't forgive others? Absolutely. And what was the one Jesus said, you know, love your neighbor as yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? And, and I, I would never dare to try to add something to a, a quote from the Lord, but love your neighbor as yourself, parentheses, even if they're a jerk. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know? Um, that's so. when it's hard. That's when it's hard. Yeah, that's when it's hard. So, uh, yeah, it's um, the political divide is is sad. It's it's tragic. And quite frankly, it's, it's becoming a little scary. But, you know, I, I obviously work with politicians a lot. And I can tell you, they may fight like cats and dogs on PCM when you're watching them. But afterwards, they still go out to dinner together. <laughs> they still share a drink together. You know, they, I, I believe that everybody in the legislature is trying to do the right thing. They just disagree sometimes as to what that is. But nobody, nobody tried to, to get elected to office to do the wrong thing. Hmm. So They all have good intentions, yeah. just different ways of doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, speaking of politicians, <laughs> election season is around the corner. Yeah. yeah. So how can we educate ourselves on the policies and politicians that align with our faith? It's a very, very good question. You know, it's it's funny in, in my line of work, uh, when you talk about politicians that, that align with our faith, in, in my line of work, I'll be working with a, um, a legislator on a, on a pro-life issue at 10 o'clock in the morning, and at noon... I'm working with another issue, let's say poverty, uh, with a legislator who's who's pro-choice. I've never found any legislator up there who doesn't agree with us on something. So when it comes to finding out who best aligns in the majority of you know cases or, or, or in the you know, in the biggies uh, of our faith, um, pro-life from conception to natural death, I encourage you to, to check out Pennsylvania Catholic Conference. Um, Al, again, our communications director is very good about filming things and posting things, uh, committee meetings, floor coverage, uh, you know, session coverage, et cetera. Whether or not we've taken a position on it or not, 
because we think it's very important. Even if we haven't taken a position on a bill or a position on an issue, it's very important for people to stay educated on what their legislators are saying, what their legislators are doing, what topics they these legislators think are important. Uh, PACatholic.org, Al's always posting social media clips. Follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook. He, he does a very good job of that. You know, the other thing is, quite honestly, call up your legislator. Have a sit down with them. Talk to them. Tell them what's important to you. That really means more than anything. Look, I'm the I'm the hired lobbyist of the church, you know, and, and not saying that, you know, they don't listen to us because because they do. But it means so much more when one of their constituents comes into their office to talk to them and just you don't need to have an agenda. Just find out who they are. Find out what they're interested in. Tell them who you are, what you're interested in. Um, I love going to district offices because as soon as you walk, you know, in Harrisburg, it's, you know, it's, it's the Harrisburg office. But when you go to the district office, that's when you're really going to see, you know, their their bowling trophy and the, the picture of the fish they caught with their daughter. And, you know, you 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 quickly, quickly can scan the room and find out something about them. Um, and you're probably going to find that you have something in common with them. Um, and for and for their, their challengers, listen to what they're saying. If you get a chance, talk to them, ask them questions, find out who these people are and where their belief systems are really at. Um, the Pennsylvania Catholic Conference, the, the Catholic Church, we will never, ever tell you who to vote for. It's not going to happen. That's that's not what the Mother Church uh, will ever do. Um, but we are called to be you know, faithful citizenship. That that is something that that all Catholics are are asked to do. Uh, we are we are asked by and, and the Pope has said this himself uh, to engage in the political process um, respectfully, lovingly. Um, perhaps we can show some others how it should be done <laughs> properly and lovingly. But uh, get involved, get involved as much as you can at the local level, at the state level, school board level, whatever. Just just get involved. Speaking of get involved, mm-hmm. how can we get involved with the mission of PA Catholic Conference within our community? It's just, yeah. are there any other examples that you would? Absolutely. We, we have a, um, a group of, uh, of folks that have offered to help us out. And when, when we need some, some extra push from the faithful, uh, we'll send out uh, requests to them to contact our legislators on, on a variety of different topics, uh, whether it be uh, you know, school choice or appropriate funding for uh, for schools or pro-life issues or, uh, I mean, you name it, um, whenever something big comes up. And uh, so I invite you, go to pacatholic.org, sign up for uh, for that that advocacy group. If, uh, if you want to learn more about any topics in Harrisburg or you want us to come and explain it to a, a parish or you know, a group, um, we do that all the time. We're, we're, we're very happy to do that. Um, so uh, just don't be strangers. Reach, reach out, right? Politics is all about relationships. Government is all about relationships. And um, the more relationships you can get, the better things are going to be. Very cool. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining me thank today you. and sharing that knowledge with us so that hopefully we can be more involved and have more of a say. Thank you. I will never, ever turn down an opportunity to talk about government and politics because I'm forbidden to do it in the house. So. <laughs> Well, you are welcome here anytime. Thank you you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online 
at hbgdiocese.org slash DAC and clicking the Make a Donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.